This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Jason Van Camp. Jason is a West Point graduate, a decorated Green Beret in the U.S. Special Forces. He also played linebacker for the Army Black Knights football team, and he's authored the book Deliberate Discomfort. And last but not least, he is the founder and chairman of Mission Six Zero. Jason, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Yes, Nick. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. So one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing that people might not know about you? Uh, I feel like I'm an open book. I'm pretty vulnerable about who I am and what I have going on. I think there's one thing people don't know about me. It's maybe that I'm a, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a Mormon. I served a mission, a two-year mission for my church to St. Petersburg, Russia, when I was a, when I was a teenager in, in my early 20s as well. Wow. And did you choose to go to Russia or did, is there a story behind that? No, I, I chose to go on my mission. So once mm-hmm. you choose, you submit like an application, a packet, and then you get, at the time, you get a letter back in the mail. Now I think it's electronically, but you get a letter mm-hmm. back. It says, you've been called to serve in the blank mission and you could go anywhere. I mean, you could be in the States, United States, you could be you know, in South America or wherever. And I was shocked to see that I got called to serve in Russia. And that was pretty cool because it was right after the fall of communism, mm. a few years after that. And uh, things were still very much new over there. Capitalism and the church opening up in Russia and that sort of thing. So it was an amazing experience. Loved every second of it. And to boot, I learned how to speak fluent Russian, which I've since forgotten, more or less. At the time, <laughs> of, I did speak fluent Russian. That is up there. That, that you spent time and time in Russia, but let's transition to to your business today. So tell me more about what you got going on at Mission Six Zero. So what what came? How'd you get the the name? And what do you guys do there? Mission Six Zero is a leadership development firm, and we forge commanders. So we solve the problem of misdirection or misalignment, you know, retention, that sort of thing, confusion. The story of the name is is kind of interesting. When we first started the company, I asked everybody on the team, "What do we call ourselves?" and Everybody argued. Nobody could agree on a name. And it was one of the most frustrating things ever. I mean, we had everybody had their own very passionate opinion about what to call the company. And they weren't budging. And finally, I had to select one of the names. And one of the names that the people liked, didn't dislike the most was Mission Essential. And so I said, that's enough. We're done. We're called, we're Mission Essential. And so we were Mission Essential for a few years. Yeah. And a company called Aegis reached out to me and said, hey, we're rebranding our company to Mission Essential. Uh, we're going to take everything from you, your logo, your website, everything. And oh, by the way, here's a cease and desist. And I was like, what? Hell no. Like, are you kidding me? You can't do this. And I looked and like, they, they literally stole my logo like wow. that I paid someone to make for me. And I was like, you know, so I hired a lawyer. They got a lawyer and we went to battle for about a year. Finally, my lawyer was like, Jason, listen, you know, you're paying me $500 an hour. You're losing a lot of money. They have more money than you. They're going to win eventually. So you need to settle. And so we settled 
And I said, well, what are we going to call ourselves now? And so we said, well, we've already gotten a lot of marketing and publicity. There was an article about us in ESPN, the NFL Network for Mission Essential. So I said, let's keep mission because the mission comes first. That's our belief system. You know, and then I said, well, how can we make it different? And I looked at the number six and, and, you know, the unit commander designator is the number six. And, you know, people say, I've got your six means I got your back. And then when you Mm -hmm. say zero, it's sort of like a baseline. Everybody's equal. Everybody starts out the same talking about equilibrium. And then we said, well, M60, M60, that's the hog or the pig, the most casualty casualty producing weapon on the battlefield during the Vietnam era. Mm-hmm. It's also the weapon that Green Beret John Rambo is known for. So we said, there's a lot of symbolism there. Mission 60, M60, what do you guys think? And, and everybody on the team loved it. Well, I think 90% of the team loved yeah, it. Yeah. And so he said, all right, let's go with it. And uh, it's, been, it's been fun. So M60, Mission 60, that's the long-winded explanation for the name of the company. <laughs> Good stuff, though. It's, uh, I like the meaning behind it. You know, transitioning to your book, though, Deliberate Discomfort. You have a whole decorated slew of people. You have two Medal of Honor recipients. You have one Silver Star, 21 Bronze Stars, two with Valor, six Purple Hearts, and 41 Combat Deployments, which is awesome. So, so thank you for that, first off. Thank you, it, yeah, again, it kind of goes through now being uncomfortable and allowing them to thrive, thrive just both in battle and in life. And I, I think it's it's a really cool book. And I'm not just saying that because you're on my podcast and I'm trying to make your head big, but it's a solid book about stories from these decorated soldiers and then how you can bring it back to to business and, and to not just business, but to life. So I have a whole lot of questions that I that I have written down and earmarked, but I'll just throw out a, a few that I think is beneficial and I, I kind of geek out on and, and hopefully the listeners will too. And the first one is, what does trust mean to you? It's a great question. And the first chapter in Deliberate Discomfort deals with trust. And there's a reason why we wrote about it in chapter one is because it all begins with trust. Everything begins with trust. And trust to me, it's, it's a willingness to accept vulnerability based on the expectation of a positive outcome. That's what I think trust is. And I think in the military, we don't understand fully what that means because, and I'll give you an example, and I wrote about this in the book as well. When I was a second, when I just got commissioned a second lieutenant you know, at West Point, I asked everybody I could find, what advice do you have for this brand new commissioned officer going into the military? What can I do to succeed? What do I need to know? And everybody sort of asked that question, if you care about your profession. And and I got a lot of answers, but one of the, the answers that I got back frequently, and it was almost like a knee-jerk reaction, and, and I would hear, trust your NCOs. And so I started my military career trusting my NCOs, blindly trusting my NCOs. Oh, these guys are NCOs. They know what they're doing. You guys tell me what to do, and we'll do it. And I went through my military career kind of adhering to that leadership philosophy until I got to the Special Forces, to the Green Berets, and my commander said, Jason, how's that worked out for you? Trusting your NCOs, you know, and, and I kind of had to be honest and be vulnerable with them, and authentic. And I was like, well, to be honest, they're not as well as I'd hoped. And he kind of laughed a little bit. He's like, well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't trust your NCOs. And I was kind of shocked. I was surprised. I was like, wow, like, uh, uh, you have to clarify that, sir, because I've lived my entire life, at least in my military careers, trust my NCOs. He said, well, here's how I look at it. They're good officers and bad officers in the military, just as there are in special forces. They're good NCOs and bad NCOs. And special forces as well. And you're gonna to have to find out who the, these people are individually before you can trust them. Don't just trust someone blindly because they have a couple of chevrons and rockers on their on their uniform. 
Don't trust somebody because they have a sergeant in front of their name. Find out who they are individually. Build that trust over time, you know, and then you'll find success. And he said, you know, what you have to do is take that uncomfortable leap of faith and blindly believe in someone. Say, listen, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to believe in you. Now we're going to build trust together. And I want you to believe in me as well, because trust goes both ways. And I thought back to my military career and, you know, now that I'm retired and I have to completely 100% admit that he was correct and he's saying there were NCOs that I, are my best friends. There are guys that I would go to battle with and trust in a, in a trench in a firefight 100 times out of 100. You know, guys that I knew that, you know, if my life was on the line, they would protect me. At the same time, some of those guys, when we got back to garrison, when we redeployed back to the States, I could not trust them to not get drunk at a bar and drive home and get a DUI. I could not trust them to not beat their wife. I could not mm. trust them to do things like that. And vice versa. There were some guys back in the rear that if we had to do a sense of items inventory or something important, paperwork and so forth, this guy was going to do it and he was going to do an amazing job. And I wouldn't even have to, to verify or check up on him. I could just trust him to do it. But you know, when we got into battle, when we went and deployed in combat, I wouldn't want that guy beside me. I mean, there some of those guys, when we got into a firefight, they wouldn't get out of the vehicle. And so it, it doesn't matter if it's a you know an officer rank in front of your last name or, or an NCO's sort of rank in front of your last name. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with trust. What, what matters with trust is who you are individually as a person. And once you get a chance to really open up and get to know individuals, then can you really establish a foundation of trust in your organization? Yeah, that's some good stuff. So. When it comes to corporate America, though, why is nobody talking about trust? I think people are finally starting to talk about trust, but I think people aren't bought into the organization to the point where they care, meaning people walk into the organization and they hand the resume off and they get interviewed and they get hired and they're expected to be leaders. They're expected to be trusted. They're expected to know what to do, but you know, as you know, most times your resume is, is inflated. It's bloated. You know, a lot of the stuff that you say you can do, well, you, maybe you know a little bit, but you're no expert. And so people blindly just trust these new hires and sit them down at a desk and say, do your thing. And, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to be this. Just because I'm a high performer doesn't mean that I know how to lead. People don't take the time to really get to know each other? Who is the person on your left and to your right? And that's something that we differentiate incredibly at the special forces because our lives are on the line. Like I have to know this person intimately when we go to combat because he's trusting me with his life. I'm trusting him with my life. And if I don't know you, if I don't know what you're going to do and how you're going to react and the decisions you're going to make in, in certain situations and scenarios, then the team suffers, you know, and that's something that isn't done you know, in corporate America. And, and what we're really talking about is, is culture, like establishing the right culture, a culture, a foundation of trust. And as I said, that's, that's the foundation of Mission 60 and why chapter one is all about trust. It all starts with trust. And if you don't have it, you're going to fail. Yeah. One of the stories, and I think it was in the book, maybe it was in, in one of the videos that you, you do, but it was talking about the NFL and an NFL team on, on an old line and on the old line, offensive line, there was a guy who was next to him or, or two down from him on the, on the old line that they've never actually communicated. And so you did an exercise with them to talk about trust and building relationships and getting honest and, and real with each other. And the one guy who's 
getting paid a whole lot of money, never had a relationship with the guy that was too down from him. And he's like, that's exactly what we needed. Do you want to, you want to touch on that just a minute? Yeah, no, that's a great story. It's, it's in the book. It's in Deliberate Discomfort. And I, and I talk about that story quite a bit. It was our first ever event and our first ever client, surprisingly and happily enough, was the New York Jets, so an NFL team. And, and we've been working with them for a few months. And we did this big sort of outdoor military team building day with 20 of their leaders, their players. And we went through our first experience together, which was a sort of ambush scenario. I'm not going to spill the beans or anything, but it was mm-hmm. really psychologically kind of constructed to to see what you're made of, to bring out your yeah. character, right? Mm. And after the event was over, I wanted to get some feedback. So I was asking some of the players what they thought. And one of the guys I asked was Matt Slauson. He was a guard for the Jets, all pro, guy's a rock star. And I said, Matt, what do you think, man? And he said, you know, Jason, I learned a lot of things, but there's one thing that really impacted me. And he sort of pointed across, there's like a dirt road around Woody Johnson's farm. He pointed across the road and he said, you see that guy over there? And I looked and, and it was Jeff Cumberland. He was a tight end. He was a backup tight end for the, for the Jets at the time. Kind of a newer player. And he said, that's Jeff Cumberland. And I was like, yeah. And he said, you know, we've been on the same team, on this Jets team for three years now. And I said, okay. He said, I'm a guard. Said, okay. He's, he's a tight end. We, we virtually play next to each other. One, one player away on the offensive line. Okay. He said, you know, the first time I've ever said a word to him was five minutes ago. And I was blown away. I was shocked. And I, and I said, well, Matt, how can you guys call yourself a team, really? I mean, I just left a meeting earlier today at the Jets facility with, with the team. And Rex Ryan was talking about, we're a family. We're a brotherhood. We fight for the man to our left and to our right. That's who we are. That's what we do. And really kind of getting the guys inspired. I said, Matt, how are you going to fight for the guy to your left and to your right? How, how are you going to do that if you don't even know who that person is? If you've never even had a conversation with that person? Yeah. Like when times are tough, you know, when you're on a losing streak or it's, you're down in the fourth quarter, you know, are you going to dig deep and fight for this guy? You're not because you don't know who this person is. And I said, so let's, mm-hmm. let's rectify that. And so we had Jeff and, and Matt communicate and build a relationship and they became friends. And then all of a sudden, Jeff became more comfortable in the locker room, in the environment. He started to feel confident, more confident than he was. He increased his touchdowns by three times as many as the previous year. He had, I think, I don't remember the stats, maybe 30 more catches that year than he did the previous season. Mm-hmm. You know, And then the Jets had a pretty good season that year as well. And I attribute that not just because of the relationship between Jeff and Matt, but because of the relationships that were established because we inspired them to do so and to show the team that, guys, we have to get to know each other. We have to develop relationships. We have to bond outside of the locker room as well as inside the locker room. We need to understand how to communicate with each other. And we need to establish ourselves somewhere along the spectrum of trust. Now, I don't expect you guys to blindly trust everybody on the team at this point, but I want to establish a spectrum of trust. And, and I want you guys to be somewhere along that spectrum and continually trying to move forward on it. There's a similar story at Ohio State football team. They have something called Real Life Wednesdays. And it's it's very similar where if you don't know the guy, guy to your left and guy to your ne- next to, you're not going to fight for him. And they have a bunch of really cool stories or really cool people come in. And, and the whole goal is to get real with each other. 
and kind of break down that barrier and pull past the the Facebook version of life and uh, to have have honest conversations with each other. So it sounds ex- exactly what you guys are doing. So it's it's uh, it's really cool. I, I don't want to say I invented the concept of trust or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to perfect the art and science of it. And I love hearing the Real Life Wednesdays. And, uh, you know, I think Urban Meyer was the guy that instituted mm-hmm. those. And uh, it's, it's just fantastic. And he's on the right path. I mean, the guy's a proven winner. And this is something that winners do. It doesn't matter if you're playing professional sports, collegiate sports, or in business. You get to know the people on your team intimately. You care about them. You learn to trust them. And if they aren't a good fit, then you get rid of them. Yeah. What is important? Why is it important to have mental strength? Well, we believe at Mission Six Zero that in order to become a whole person or a total warrior, you need to be strong mentally, physically, spiritually, socially, emotionally, professionally. So six domains. Okay. You know, and, and mental strength is is something that will help you define and develop grit and resilience. A lot of times people say it's 10% physical, but 90% mental, or they'll mm-hmm. give you some statistic like that or whatever. And it's true because your body can go much further than you think it can. And we've proven that in our special forces training and in combat, you know, like we've seen how far we can push ourselves. A good friend of mine lives down the street from me here in Utah. His name is James Lawrence. He's, uh, his nickname is the Iron Cowboy. He did 50 Ironman races in 50 consecutive days in all 50 states. And to me, I was thinking, oh, you're a badass if you can do one Ironman. I mean, that's pretty commendable. But this dude did 50 in a row and he's going to do 100 in a row now starting next month. <laughs> right. And I tell you, the guy, you know, physically he's good, but that's not what gets gets him through it. It's it's the mental strength and capacity that he has. And that's proven through experience. You know, like let's do one Iron Man. Oh, I, I can do one. Now maybe I can do two. It's just sort of like convincing yourself that you can put one foot in front of the other and giving yourself the experience that you can do that. Yep. And that's what mental strength is all about. Yeah. So it's, it's about mental strength, but it's, it's not just about mental strength. It's about self-discipline, right? That, that process. So why is it difficult to, to develop that self-discipline along with that mental strength? Yeah. So I think a lot of times players and business guys will come up to me and they'll say, Jason, you know, I, I know what I need to do. I'm just not doing it. Can you, can you motivate me? Just motivate me. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't and I won't. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why not? I said, because I can't motivate you. I'm not going to be there 24 seven. You know, all I can do is plant some seeds of inspiration inside of you, you know, because you're the one that has to motivate yourself. The only real motivation is, and is self-motivation. I'm not going to be there to hold your hand. You have to do it. And the only way you can do that to develop that self-motivation is to transform that into discipline, you know, because discipline will never fail you. You know, you're developing habits. And, the, and when you have a habit, it's, habits are hard to break. And so that's that's what I tell people. It's I can only inspire you to motivate yourself. And that motivation has to transform into discipline quickly or it's going to dissipate. Yeah. And I like uh, kind of going back to like what Simon Sinek says is like, what is your why? Like, why are you even doing a, a hundred Ironmans? Why are you going to uh, be a professional athlete? Why are you the in the C-suite? There's a reason besides just the money and the fame of being an NFL player. There's, there's a why behind that until you know what that is then you're never going to be motivated. It's just going to be another checklist of like, Hey, I was great in college. So yeah, I should probably go pro. And, but again, it kind of goes back to the, to the brotherhood too. If you don't know who you guys are, you're not going to elevate not just yourself, but, but the people around you. Exactly. Yeah. Nick, you hit the nail on the head, man. 
And what we do to help people discover their why Mission Six Zero is we do a values and action assessment, find out what values, characteristics you have that kind of define who you are and, and help you to make decisions. And then we ask folks, everybody, before they even join our team, tell me what your dream is, what your vision is, what your goal is, what you've always wanted to do with your life. Tell me why you're here. Because if I can help you, Nick, achieve that while you're working with me at Mission Six Zero, you're going to bust your ass for me. You know, so in order for me to get buy-in from you, I have to buy into you first. And I think a lot of people, surprisingly, when you ask them, what have you always wanted to do with your life? What's your vision? What's your dream? What's your goal? A surprising number of people will say, honestly, I don't know. Okay, well, first step is, let's take a step back and find out what that is for you. Because I feel like it all comes down to purpose. And that's why so many military guys have a hard time leaving the military is because they lose their purpose. And I think the purpose of life is to find your gift. And the meaning of life is to give that gift away. You're already putting uh, mic drop moments and and stealing one of my questions. So I'm going to have to add to one of those at at the very end. I I love the the giving the gift away. And I want to come back to that in a minute. But what is OODA and how the heck do you apply it? Yeah, OODA is the the OODA loop. OODA loop. Observe, orient, decide, and act. And so okay. it's, it's, a, it's a mindset. We talk about that in chapter four of the book. It's a mental strength chapter. We have Jeff Adams, the man, and that's the title of the chapter. An incredible Green Beret. He was our combative instructor at 10 Special Forces Group when I was there. And Nate Last, who's our mental strength uh, you know, officer, mm-hmm. science officer, and missions leader as well. And, and really what it comes down to is you know, providing you a template to make decisions. You know, to, to focus yourself in the moment, observe what's going on, orienting your mindscape, deciding what to do, and then acting on it, and then going all the way back to observe again. So it's a constant loop. And it helps people um, simplify what's going on around them so that they can make better decisions. And I, I think it was uh, Colonel John Boyd. I have to, I'm pretty sure that's his name. I forget exactly offhand. I wrote the book, I know, but I think it was John Boyd. Uh, he was an Air Force colonel in the Vietnam era. And um, yeah. he developed this uh, OODA loop strategy. And we just uh, love it so much that we wanted to uh, to talk about it in, in deliberate discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that process. It, it makes so much sense, but it's always... It's so tough. It's kind of like that self-discipline and, and um, creating a habit. It, it's uncomfortable until you actually consistently do it over and over and over again, and it becomes a routine. And then it's just it's just part of you, it's part of who you are. And then you just have to find ways to to improve that that moment and and that process and make it yours. But um, I want to talk a little bit about emotional intelligence, like when it comes to what are your thoughts about emotional intelligence and then what happens when leaders lack it? You know, emotional intelligence, um, we talk a lot about that in, in deliberate discomfort as well. We have two chapters dedicated to it. Uh, chapter six with Joe Cerna and Sarah Spradlin, Dr. Sarah Spradlin, and then also chapter 10 with Joey Jones and Dr. Sarah Spradlin. And the way that Sarah, Dr. Spradlin describes it is emotional intelligence it seeps into all of the domains. So it's sort of like an umbrella encompassing the mental, physical, spiritual, social, and professional domains. And your emotions sometimes um, 
get overvalued because they're really your internal um, intuition to help you to do go right or go left to make good decisions or wrong decisions to react in certain situations. And in order to be a master of de-escalation and control your emotions and, and have emotional dexterity, you know, you have to be first aware of your emotions because each everybody's different. You know, how do you react in certain situations? What emotions do you feel? And then understanding, you know, having empathy towards somebody else and saying, you know, what's right for me, what's my truth is not what's right for you, what's your truth. This is how you see, this is how you feel the situation. And I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and be empathetic to your needs and understand of your needs. And, and once you can do that, you can communicate a lot better. And that's sort of the second step in the M60 process, trust mm -hmm. first and communication second. And I think that's why it's so important is, is having that emotional intelligence. Yeah. One thing that you talked about was uh, giving stuff away and, and it kind of reminds me of service, right? Like when it comes to mission six zero though, you, you say that mission six zero, that true happiness comes from serving other people. Why do you believe that? It's something that I've come to understand and believe through my experiences in life. You know, um, when I first started my journey in life, I guess you're, it's different for everybody. I guess I was around 15 or 16 when I kind of came into my own and, and kind of said, this is who I am. And this is what I want to do with myself, my life. And, and originally I thought I wanted to have adventure and collect stories and have more stories than anybody else. And it, I would put myself in situations that were uncomfortable and difficult because I knew at some point down the road, it would become a, a good story, a funny story, an entertaining story for my friends. And I realized pretty quickly that people didn't want to hear stories about how, how awesome you are and how much of a badass you are. They want to hear stories about failure and vulnerability and uh, hear you laugh about your experiences with them. You know, and you really got to connect and bond with people because of that, that vulnerability. And so I went about my life collecting stories, you know, and then I tried to be a good storyteller. And as I got older and I matured, looking back on the happiest moments of my life, I realized that there were the moments when I, I was serving, you know, when I went on my mission to Russia, I look back on that experience for two, two year mission fondly because I was I forgot about myself, my own problems, what I was doing, my own goals and objectives, and I just served and I just helped people. It was awesome. I looked about my looked at my time in the military and the times when I was helping people, liberating the oppressed, serving people, doing good for others. Those are the times I remember the most. And then when we started a business, you know, seeing people, seeing people's faces and, and their smiles and, and their happiness when you when you do something positive to influence them or affect them in some way. After giving a, a keynote presentation, for example, and having people come up to you and say thank you and, and get emotional when they thank you for what you said or something that impacted them in a positive way, helping a client that, you know, they were struggling and now all of a sudden they're they're 10xing their business because of the information and the help that you assisted them with seeing you know a sports team that had a losing record and now they're winning everybody's everybody's fired up and excited man when you look back on life those are the moments that you remember you know yeah. the times when you help somebody and so our culture at mission six zero and i'd be very clear about this with everybody that, that comes in here because this is how you make decisions as a member of of my company and i'm 
essentially hired you to be a good decision maker. We help people first and foremost. We make money and we do epic shit. That's what we do at Mission Six Zero. And um, and there's a reason why I help people is first is because if we're not doing that, then what's the point? That's our why. Yeah, I love that. And, and a, whole, a lot of people don't, don't know this, but my personal mission is to have fun serving others. Uh, because if I'm not enjoying it, I better be doing something else. But I also can help people along the way because there's a lot of lessons learned that I can that I've known in, in there where I've screwed up or I've learned from others. And if I can't give that back, then, then it's not as valuable that I, that, as I thought it was. So taking that time and, and having fun serving others is, is really important to me. And, and to be honest, like that's one of the reasons why I did the podcast. Like I, I wanted to give back and add value to people that didn't necessarily have that ability to, to listen to that right podcast or hear from people like Jason Van Camp and um, get it from a different perspective. So I really appreciate the, the service part. My honor, brother. Thank you. Yeah. So Jason, I, I leave every, uh, every guest with two questions. And the first, first one is, is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then uh, the second one is if you could leave a note, to all the customer service and customer experience professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? Yeah, two great questions. I've been influenced by many, many people. And I'll tell you from a book standpoint, I try to read a book a week. And it's part of our challenge that we're doing for Mission Six Zero right now. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's mental challenge to read a book a week. And the books that I've read that have influenced me the most in the last three months, I read Outlaw Platoon. I thought that was fantastic. It's a New York Times bestseller. I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. And I think that's a popular one. I really enjoyed that one. And I'm reading one right now, which I'm really impressed with. Uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is what it's called. Mark uh, Madsen or Mark Madden, one of the two. And that's a New York Times bestseller as well. And um, I had a hard time getting through chapter one, but after I got through chapter one, it's like, wow, man, this is this is brilliant stuff. I really enjoy it. So those are the three books I would uh, say influenced me most in the past few months. Cool. If you could leave a note to all customer services, service professionals, mm -hmm. I would tell them, choose hard things or hard things will choose you. You know, you get to make the decision. They're going to come anyway. We might as well be proactive about it, you know, because the problems that you have, you get to choose what they are. If you want to lose weight and be in great shape, we're going to have to go to the gym and you're going to have to eat right. You're going to have to get on that nutrition plan. Mm -hmm. Those are good problems to have. Or you can have problems of having diabetes and being out of shape and, and being sick and, you know, spending money on fast food and things like that, you know, and not just about weight loss and nutrition, but I'm talking mm -hmm. about just life in general, you know. Yeah. Do hard things. That's what I tell people to do. And if you want to learn more about that, you know, we're welcoming you with open arms at Mission Six Zero. Good stuff. Jason, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Maybe on uh, your website, maybe your nonprofit. Throw it out there. Definitely. Two, two ways. Mission60.com. You can spell that out, or you can basically any which way you spell it, you'll get to the right website. Okay. Uh, Jason at mission60.com is that email. And then warriorrising.org is our nonprofit. We help veterans find their purpose again through business ownership. And my email there is jason at warriorrising.org. And I'm um, always, always responsive. Um, sometimes it'll take me, you know, maybe a week to get back to you, but, but I'll get back to you. 
Jason, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been been a pleasure. Love the book. I tell everybody, I, I highly recommend the book. So uh, go ahead and, and get that too while you're while you're looking at books yeah, outside those top three. Outside of that, I got got the guy right here. So take a peek at that. I'll send a link out when I when the when I push the podcast. I really appreciate your time and and uh, looking forward to see what you guys are up to here in the future. Hey, man, Nick, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. See you guys. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person? who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.